I mean, what a powerful psalm that is. I mean, we read that psalm and we listen to it and we allow it to uh, just, just be sung over us. It just shows how powerful it truly can be in our lives. But the problem with this psalm, and you're like, problem, is that it's really popular. It's so popular that just two weeks ago I was at the hospital with a lady and I was studying over Psalm 23 and she, she was going through a rough time. So I just went through this psalm and I'm talking to her and the whole time she's just smiling at me, just a little smirk, right? And I'm like, why is she smiling? And I get done, and at the end, I'm like, hey, do you have any thoughts or comments? She says, I have that tattooed on my back. She had Psalm 23 tattooed on her back. That's how popular this psalm is. You see, that's what happens, though, when, when psalms get popular like this or passages get popular, they start to lose their meaning. Or we stop trying to find what God is trying to intend to teach us through that passage. And so that's what we're going to, to do today. We're going to look at Psalm 23 to try to look and see the wisdom that God wants us to learn from that psalm. I had a coach in college. His name was Coach Elders. He was the basketball coach. And he was always in the weight room. Every time I went to the weight room in college, there's Coach Elders. He's on the elliptical. Do you guys know what an elliptical is? It's for old people, okay? And so the, the elliptical, you it look like you're skiing. And if you're, you use one, sorry. Um, and he was always on this, and, and every day, he's, there's Coach Elders. No matter what time, there's Coach Elders, whatever. And so finally, I was like, Coach, when did this become your hobby? And I, I will never forget. He glared at me like my mom would, would when I was in trouble when I was young. And he said, this isn't my hobby. He said, this is my lifestyle. He said, this is part of who I am. This is not something I do just when I have time, or this is not something I do just because I enjoy it a little bit. He's like, I do this because it's ingrained into my life. You see, that's what Psalm 23 can be. That's what Psalm 23 should be in our lives. It should be ingrained into the fabric of our lives because no matter where we are in life, Psalm 23 is relevant and it can help us in every circumstance of life. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And so what I want us to understand today is that we must, through Psalm 23, we must recognize our status so that we can rely on the provision, protection, and service of God. When we read Psalm 23, and we're going to look at it today, this is what we're going to figure out. And I want us to highlight those two words in yellow, recognize and rely, recognize and rely. And so David begins Psalm 23 with five very, very powerful words. And there they are. The Lord is my shepherd. I want us to just pause here for a moment. These are weighty words. And I want them to just weigh heavy on us this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. You see, to David, these aren't some flippant words that he just wrote to sound good. To David, these words are heavy because in this statement, David is recognizing his status. He's saying, God, you are the shepherd, which means that he's also saying, I am your sheep. You are the shepherd. I am the sheep. He's recognizing the status he has between him and God, his status in this life. 
You see, these aren't flippant words also because David himself was a shepherd. So these words meant something to him. That's actually where we meet David in 1 Samuel. Um, God rejects the king of Israel, Saul. Saul wasn't following God, so he rejects Saul. And God says to Samuel, he says, go to the house of Jesse and you're going to find the next king that I I choose. And so Samuel goes to the house of Jesse and he shows up and there's a bunch of big burly dudes. And Samuel's like, sure, one of these has to be the king. And sure enough, God says, you know what? I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. And one after another, none of those sons were the king. And so then in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 11, we see this. Samuel says to Jesse, he says, hey, are all your sons here? And Jesse said, no, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. So David was out in the sheep. He was a shepherd. That's who he was. And so he writes these first five words, the Lord is my shepherd. These aren't flippant words. These aren't words he's just throwing out there. They mean something to him. It's almost as if David was envisioning himself when he pens those words, the Lord is my shepherd. It's as if he's envisioning himself underneath a sprawling oak tree, watching his sheep graze and drink from the stream. And he's sitting there and he's saying, you know what, God, how awesome is this? Just like I'm the shepherd to these sheep, you're my shepherd. How relevant is that to my life? You see, David wrote those words so that he could apply them to his heart. He wrote those words in humility because he was comparing himself to a, to a creature that was weak and defenseless and foolish. David recognized his status. He was comparing himself to a creature who needed, who needed someone to defend them, to serve them. You see, David understood what it took to be a shepherd and the care and the love it took to care for the sheep. A lot of people don't know, though, is that David also was a rock star shepherd. So not only was he just a shepherd, he was like one of the best shepherds in the Bible. Besides Jesus, which we'll see in a little bit, I think he was like the number two shepherd in all of the Bible. And here's why. A lot of us know the story of David and Goliath. Okay, you know the story of David and Goliath. David gets to go out. He puts the little rock in the sling, slings it round and round, and one, right, one went into the forehead of Goliath. He kills him, and then he chops off his head, okay? That's just, that's in the Bible, all right? And so, but what a lot of us want to do is just read over what happens before the fight, because that's the good part, right? The gory stuff, the fight. But right before David kills Goliath, here's what happens. David gets sent out to the the battlefield to bring food to his brothers. Remember, his brothers were big, burly dudes. They were warriors. And Goliath's out there. No one's fighting him. And he looks at the brothers. He says, why is no one fighting Goliath? And they said, have you seen him? He's 9'9". He's huge. And David says, I'll do it. I'll fight him. And they said, you're just a boy. You can't fight him. And he says, I'll fight him. And they say, you got to go talk to Saul. So David goes in and he talks to Saul and he says, Saul, no one's fighting Goliath, I'll fight him. And he knew because he had God on his side, but, but there's another reason too. And Saul says, listen, you're too young. You're a boy. You can't fight Goliath. He's a warrior. And David says, no, I can. And here's why. Because when I was a shepherd and I was out in the field, and when a bear would come in and try to take one of my sheep, guess what I would do? I would go after the bear and I would kill it. 
even if I had to kill the bear with my bare hands. And then when a lion would come in and try to take one of my sheep, guess what I would do? I would go after that lion and I would kill that lion, even if it meant killing that lion with my bare hands. I've done it before. I can kill lions and bears. I can kill Goliath. And Saul says, go for it. And then we know the end of the story. He kills Goliath. So when David writes those five words, the Lord is my shepherd, he's not envisioning a shepherd like me. He's not envisioning someone who would see a bear and just say, it's all yours. You can have it. Or a lion come in and say, nope, I'm good. You, good. you can have the whole flock. I'm good. I'm going to go over here. You see, David, when he writes those words, the Lord is my shepherd, he's envisioning a shepherd who would go to the greatest length for his sheep. He's envisioning a shepherd that would do anything necessary for the safety and the provision of the sheep. David's envisioning a shepherd in whom he can have confidence in, he can trust in, he can have faith in, knowing that that shepherd is always going to be there to protect and to serve and provide for them. These are weighty words for us today. He's envisioning God as his shepherd who went to the greatest of lengths for him. The Lord is my shepherd. Listen, in our lives, it's imperative that we recognize our status like David did. That we can recite those words, the Lord is my shepherd. It's imperative that we recognize our status because we're not the shepherd of our own lives. Believe it or not. We're not the shepherd of our own lives. That's not our place. God didn't give us that distinction between him and us. He is the shepherd, we are the sheep. And a few things we need to know about the sheep. The first, we need to know that sheep, as sheep, we are dependent. We are dependent on God. David goes on in Psalm 23 and he says these words. He says, first, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and in paths of righteousness and he restores my soul. What David is saying here is that without the shepherd, there's no green pastures. Without the shepherd, there's no still waters. And without the shepherd, there's no rest or restoration. We can try. We can try to find these things on our own. But did you know that sheep will just keep eating the grass until it's gone? And then they'll just keep eating the dirt? Because they don't realize to go to find new green pastures? Or did you realize they won't go up to rushing streams of water? So if they can't find still water, they won't drink? Right? Like we can try to be the shepherd of our own lives. We can try to get to where we need to go. But let me ask you, how has that gone for you? How has that gone for me? I can tell you every single time that I try to set myself up as shepherd of my own life, it never leads to green pastures or still waters. It usually leads to problems, right? It leads to issues, it leads to problems, it leads to just absolutely falling flat on my face. You see, David wants us to understand that we need, we are dependent on our shepherd. We can't try to set ourselves up as our shepherd. Not only are we dependent, but we are also property. As sheep, we are property. I know that sounds super weird to hear, and it's really weird to say at the same time. But that's what he's saying when he says this phrase, the Lord is my. That's a very intimate 
phrase right there. The Lord is my. He doesn't say the Lord is our. He doesn't say the Lord may be. He says the Lord is my. Or in other words, he is saying I am his. He is my shepherd. He knows me personally. He knows where I'm at. He knows, he knows that I'm a part of his family. He knows my situation, which means I am his. We are his in life. You see, in Psalm 100, verse 3, we read this, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. That's Psalm 103. He made us, we are his. We're his people, we're the sheep of his pasture. Also, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter knew this all to be true as well. He says, but you, you who follow Jesus, you who have placed your faith in Jesus, you're not like that. You're not like the world anymore. You've been set apart. You've been made new. You have new life. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal, you are royal priests, a holy nation. And then he ends with that phrase, God's very own possession. And here's why we're God's. Because when Jesus walked out of that tomb, he purchased us with his blood and he walked out of that tomb in victory, and he can look at us now, and he says, you're mine. Jesus says, I bought you. I redeemed you from the enemy. You're not his anymore. You're mine. And in the same sense, he says, you're mine, and he's saying, I want to be your shepherd. Will you let me lead you? Will you let me lead you to green pastures and still waters and through deep, dark valleys we'll see? For those of us that have faith in Christ, for those of us that follow Jesus, Jesus wants us to be his sheep and to understand that we are his sheep. Listen, two statements I want us to understand today. First, we were created to depend on our creator, not ourselves. And second, we were created for our creator, not ourselves. And so there's the two, two aspects there, dependency and the fact that we are gods. We were created to depend on our creator, not ourselves, and we are created for our creator, not ourselves. When you read Genesis 1 and 2, guess what? God created Adam and Eve so that they would be dependent on him. He said, I made everything good for you to thrive so just go ahead and eat of any tree, keep the land, keep the animals, and guess what? All you need to do is not eat of that tree. And then the enemy comes in, and the enemy says, you know what? What did God actually say? And they said, oh, we can do anything we want. We just got to depend on God, and we can't, we can't eat of that tree. And the serpent said, for the context of this morning, the serpent said, the enemy said, no, 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 no. He just doesn't want you to be the shepherd of your own lives. So go ahead and eat of that tree, and then guess what? You get to be the shepherd. You get to lead. You don't have to depend on him anymore. You can do it yourself. And Adam and Eve listened to the enemy, and they fell. They, they sinned. They disobeyed God. They tried to set themselves up as shepherd. And not only that, but they also failed to recognize that they were created for God. God created everything and saw that it was good, but he only created one aspect of the world in his image, and that's us. 
And he did that so that he could relate with us, so that he could love us. He created us for him, to have a relationship with him. More than any other aspect of creation, Adam and Eve failed to recognize that, that they were created for the relationship with God because when they fell and when they disobeyed, guess what happened? They were kicked out of the garden. Now they weren't in the presence of God and that relationship was broken only to be redeemed through Jesus. We were created to depend on our creator, not ourselves. And we were created for our creator, not ourselves. Ever since Adam and Eve fell, we've been doing exactly the same thing as them, trying to be dependent on us and trying to live independently from God and only for our own pleasure and for ourselves. That's the issue in our lives. And that's what Psalm 23 wants us to understand. It's imperative that we understand this, that we need to recognize our status as sheep in the fold of God and be okay with it. You see, a lot of us today, a lot of you sitting in here this morning are like, yes, I agree, we are God's sheep, he is our shepherd, but the last part is the hard part, isn't it? Actually being okay with it. Like, you may believe everything that I've said so far, but are you okay with it? Are you okay not being the leader of your own life, not being your own shepherd? I know that's hard for me sometimes. I have three kids. I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, a two-year-old. My first two are girls. They're awesome, but super dramatic, okay? They cry a lot. And then my third, my third child's a boy. He's, he's two. He's awesome. Love my girls, but me and my son have a great connection, okay? A lot of girls, me and him get to hang out a lot. And so a lot of times, he just comes to me. Dad, can you help me with this? Can you do this? Can you do that? Awesome. Yes, I can. I can help you. I can help you. But just recently, he's two. Just recently, he wants to do things on his own, right? If you have kids, you know these. You know those situations. And so I'll, he tries to do something that he can't do. And so I'm like, hey, Dean, let me help you, buddy. And he's, he's like, no, no, me. And I'm like, Dean, you're two. You physically, literally can't do this. Let me help you. And he says, no, me. And I say, Dean, you can't do it, bro. Let me help you. And he says, no, me. And then I say, okay, you're the one that's going to fall on your head, okay? <laughs> and sure enough, 80% of the time, he hurts himself or he can't do it and flips out and cries. And I say, told you so. <laughs> no sympathy. None. And I bring this up because how many, of, how many of us are like that with God? How many of us are like that with God when, when God's in our lives and he's our shepherd and, and we're a part of his family and he, he comes right to us and he says, listen, let me lead you, let me help you, let me be with you, let me guide you, let, I, I love you enough to give my life for you, let me be there for you. And how many of us are like, no, me. And God says, no, I truly, I want to help. You can't do this on your own. And we say, no, me. How many times have we done that in our lives where we just look at God and we say, no, me. Listen, we need to be okay with God as our shepherd. We need to be okay with him helping and leading and guiding us. 
in our lives. We need to be okay with it. You see, we first need to recognize our status so that we can rely on our shepherd. You won't rely on our shepherd or God as our shepherd until you recognize your status because if you keep trying to set yourself up as the shepherd, guess what? You're never going to need a shepherd. And so if you don't recognize that you're not the shepherd of your own lives, you're never going to rely on him. And so that's why it needs to go in that order. You need to recognize first, with humility, your status between you and God so that you can rely on God as our shepherd. And here's why we can rely on our shepherd, and that's the rest of Psalm 23. Psalm 23, first, we can rely on our shepherd because our shepherd provides. Psalm 23, 1 through 3, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. David says, I want to point out this, this phrase, the Lord is my shepherd, but that next sentence, can I be honest with you? I have... For the longest time in my life, I had no clue what this meant. I shall not want? That it doesn't even grammatically sound correct. I had no clue. And I used the ESV version this morning because it's what a lot of us memorized as kids. I love how the NLT translate, translates that phrase. The NLT says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. That's what that phrase is, I shall not want, means I have all that, that I need. When the Lord is my shepherd and I'm following him, I have contentment. Here's the deal. When we start to set ourselves up as our own shepherd and we start to lead our own lives, guess what the first thing is that's going to take root in your heart? You're going to start wanting. Wanting something different wanting something more, wanting something more unique, whatever it may be. And David's over here saying, no, 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 no. When the Lord is your shepherd and you are okay with it and you follow him, guess what? Contentment follows as well. Hey, I'm good. He's going to provide. He's going to work. He's going to be with me. You're content. But the moment you start walking away, you're going to start saying, I want and David says, when the Lord's your shepherd, you're going to say, I shall not want. Isn't that interesting? How when we go one way, it leads to wanting and discontentment. And if we follow our shepherd, it's going to lead to contentment. Our shepherd provides. Well, what does he provide? What do sheep need? Well, sheep need food, sheep need water, and sheep need rest and restoration. Listen, I'm not a farmer. Some of you may be. This is Norwalk, right? So some of you may be farmers. And you know this more than me with, with livestock and stuff. But I assume this is what they need. Sheep need food, sheep need water, sheep need rest and restoration. And that's exactly what God does for us. I love this first part, sheep need food, and in verse 2, it says, he, leads me, he makes me lie down in green pastures. In Mark chapter 6, a lot of us know this story. Jesus feeds thousands of people, right? The disciples are in the desert with thousands of people, and Jesus is teaching them. For three days, they're out there, and finally, the disciples were like, let them go to the towns, let them get food. They're all going to die out here. It's a desert. And Jesus says, no, you feed them. And they say, we can't. That's going to cost a year's salary. And he says, you 
feed them. Go find out what you have and, and we'll take care of it. But what happens is, and you know the rest of the story, he multiplies the bread and he multiplies the fish and everybody eats and is satisfied. But what we read over, and I love this about the Bible because it complements each other. Mark 6, verse 39, there's a little phrase there. Before he feeds them, before Jesus multiplies everything, it says that he makes them sit down in the green grass. I think Jesus knew Psalm 23. I think he understood Psalm 23 and the imagery that was going around because they're in a desert and yet Jesus chooses to teach them where there's green grass and when he's about to feed them physically, he makes them sit down in the green grass and he feeds them, not only physically but also spiritually. He teaches them, he has compassion on them, he loves them, he wants to lead them. And he goes on to talk about how people without him are like sheep being led to the slaughter. Rather than going to the slaughter, he wants to be the shepherd and take care of them. He leads us to green pastures. He also leads us to still water. Sheep won't drink at rushing water. Notice how in Psalm 23 it says still water. That brings this idea of comfort and peace in there. That God's going to bring us to where we need to go so that we can have peace and comfort in our lives, so that we can drink and also rest in restoration. And I love John 6, verse 35. We're going to read it right here. John 6, verse 35 says this. Jesus says to them, he says to the crowd, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus himself wants us to understand that he's the one that's going to provide for us physically, but also spiritually. Through Jesus, we can eat and drink and be satisfied. He provides. Not only does our shepherd provide, but he also protects Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In 1916, the Methodist denomination took Psalm 23 and they applied it to their standard funeral message. Why? Because of that verse. That verse, they they applied it to their standard funeral message so that people would understand, hey, even though there's death around, God's with us to comfort us. But when you actually look at the context of what David is talking about, it's all about sheep being led by a shepherd. And so when you think about that, and you really think about this, then you look at those words, the valley of the shadow of death, actually... That can be translated as the valley of deep darkness. And when you look at the topography where David was a shepherd, guess what he had to lead his sheep through a lot? Guess where he had to go? Deep, dark valleys. You look at, you bring up Google Earth, go look over in the Middle East, there's a bunch of deep, dark valleys that lead to green pastures because that's where the water flows to. And so in this context of verse 4, it's not about death. He's talking about deep, dark valleys in which sheep need to be led through to get to green pastures and still waters. And he says that verse, he says, listen, I don't have to fear when it's dark. I don't have to fear when I go through those deep, dark valleys of life because I know you're with me. I know you're there. You're present. Your rod and your staff, they bring comfort in my life. You're never going to leave me alone in this deep, dark valley. In fact, you're going to help me through it. 
How many of us have gone through some deep, dark valleys in life? Maybe you're going through one this very morning. I don't know your situation. Maybe you're going through one this morning. Know that God is with you. Your shepherd is with you. And he's going to get you through it. It doesn't say, if I go through these valleys. It doesn't say, take me out of the valley. It says, when I go through the valley, you are with me. You're with me. I don't have to fear. I can have comfort. Because you're with me. Our shepherd protects us from thieves and liars, from from the enemy that may be in that deep, dark valley with us. Our shepherd provides, our shepherd protects, and the last one is our shepherd serves. Psalm 23, 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In these last two verses, David switches from this idea of God as shepherd to God as host. And he brings out the context of a feast, basically. And, and so David is saying, listen, you prepare. Even though my enemy is all around me, even though I'm at war and I'm at battle, you take time to prepare a table so that I can come to your table. But not only can I come to your table, you're also going to anoint my head with oil. That's a, that's a place of honor. You're going to allow me to come to your table. You're going to prepare for me so I can come and feast. Also, you're going to honor me there. You're going to put oil on my head. You're going to anoint me with oil. That's this idea of honor in life. And then also my cup overflows. So every time I go to the table, my cups overflow. And it overflows. And it overflows. It's never going to stop. He's always going to serve us. He's always going to be with us. He's always going to protect us. He's always going to provide for us. It overflows. Our shepherd provides. He protects. And also he serves us willingly. He wants us to allow him and be okay with him helping and leading and guiding us in life. You see, we must recognize our status first. We are not the shepherd of our own lives, believe it or not. The question is, are you okay with it? Am I okay with it? There are times, I'll be honest, there are times I'm not okay with it. I want to figure it out myself. I want to do my own thing. And I have to fight that urge. I have to fight that, temp- that temptation to stray or to wander from my shepherd because guess what? He provides, he protects, he serves. When we recognize our status, then we can rely on him. We can rely on him in our lives. When we allow him his rightful place, then we can rely on him to lift us up and lead us through. And so I want to encourage you today that if you're going through a rough patch, may you say that statement that David started with, the Lord is my shepherd. If you're going through a rough patch and you're about to fall, just know that the shepherd is there with you and he's going to help you through. Maybe you're in a green pasture today and life is really good. You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Life's great right now. Well, here's what I want to encourage you. Say that statement, the Lord is my shepherd, and don't take your shepherd for granted. He's the one that led you to those green pastures. He's the one that led you to those still waters. 
If you're going through a deep, dark valley, let me encourage you to say those words, the Lord is my shepherd, because guess what? He's there. He's going to see you through. He wants to get you through it. He wants to lead you. And if you're wandering and you're straying away, or maybe you've never been a part of God's fold or his flock, I want to encourage you to understand that Jesus will come after you. Just like David went to the greatest of length to rescue and redeem his sheep, God goes to the greatest lengths to rescue and redeem us. He knows where you're at, and he wants you to be a part of his fold. And I'm going to leave us with this, John 10, 10 and 11. I think Jesus understood Psalm 23 a lot because he says this in John 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, I came so they may have life and have it abundantly. And Jesus says these words, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I hope that's a statement you can say today, understanding that he's our good shepherd who has laid down his life for you and for me. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the fact that we don't have to be the shepherd of our own lives because whenever that happens, it leads to issues and problems and we can't handle it. Life gets too heavy. The burdens of life are too hard, yet you're the one who wants us to come to you because when we're weary and heavy laden, And you're the one that will come and take the burden for us and be our shepherd. God, may we follow you and may we allow you to lead us in our lives. Be humble enough to know that you care for us and you want to see us through. God, I pray that the wisdom of Psalm 23 would be ingrained into our lives, not not as a hobby or just sometimes, but it would be a part of our lifestyle in any circumstance we're going through. God, please continue to be our shepherd. We pray this in your name. Amen.